0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm sure most of us have some kind of story in our life of answered prayer. And just how we we prayed something, maybe even we prayed something specific, and wow, God answered the prayer. And even sometimes we have stories that God answered the prayer quickly, and God answered the prayer in an amazing way. Well, today we're going to see a story of an amazing answered prayer. And I want us to think through it, because this story, I believe, should encourage us to pray, should encourage us to seek God, uh, to seek His direction, to seek His favor, to seek His blessing. But also, I think if we're not careful, we could misapply this or adjust our expectations in a way that wouldn't be healthy, that might actually leave us frustrated in prayer. And so this example we're going to see is in our Old Testament reading today, where we read Genesis 24 and 25. And Genesis 24 basically tells the long story of how they found a wife for Isaac. And really, this job was commissioned to a servant of Abraham to find a wife for Isaac. And there's the memorable scene where after he travels and he gets to kind of where Abraham had come from in verse 12, as he sits down by this well of water he says, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please, let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who had been born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And then it goes on, as you'll read, It all happens exactly like he prayed. She offers to water the camels. She ends up becoming Isaac's wife. And so he prays this prayer, even this specific prayer. And before he had finished speaking, boom, God answers the prayer. What an amazing prayer. Uh, Really, what an amazing answer to prayer. And that's where maybe you have some things in your life where you're like, yes, I feel like I've experienced something like that. But I want us to draw some lessons from this about prayer, because I think we could start to think, well, that's how prayer always works. And I'm always going to throw out specific scenarios um, to to God and say, God, I'm going to do this. And if then this, then I'll know, right? Kind of almost um, somewhat like, you know, putting out the fleece like we see in the book of Judges, right? We almost start to use prayer as a test. And I want us to think, is that how it should be? What can we learn Uh, about prayer from this message, or from this passage. And really, I think it doesn't come to, hey, throw out all kinds of tests for God in prayer, but I do think what we see and some things we can learn from prayer is really that this prayer was tied to the promises of God, and it was tied to the character of God. And those should be bedrocks of our prayer life. Because when we do pray or God does put something specific on our hearts, I think they're always going to be in some way tied to the promises of God and to the character of God. Because the danger I think is we just take this example and then we just kind of go throw out all of our whims and wishes to God um, and expect him to answer like he answered this servant. And that's not how it's always going to work. And really, even in this, I want us to see it's tied to the promises of God and it is tied to um, really the character of God. I mean, consider how it's tied to the promises of God. We've been dealing with Abraham and we'll even see the end of Abraham's life today. But Abraham has been promised by God that he will be made a great nation. And so as we think about that promise, what's that going to require? Well, a son. Well, that took a long time, but now he has that son, Isaac. Well, if he's going to become a great nation, what's Isaac going to need? Well, children. What's Isaac going to need to have children? A wife. So finding a wife for Isaac is a task that is tied to the promises of God. Really, um, it's been promised. The success of this task has really been promised by God. If Isaac does not find a wife, if Isaac does not have children, God will be unfaithful. And that's where I don't know that if we're specifically talking about marriage, any one of us could kind of make that same claim to the extreme because none of us have received the promises of Abraham. So it's tied to this promise of God. Also, it seems to be tied to the character of God, just even in that Abraham. His desires here, he does not want a wife from the land of Canaan. And he sees that as something really that God would not want. Um, because the, the Canaanites were wicked people that were actually headed for judgment. Um, but he also, he doesn't want his son to go back. He just sends the servant because he doesn't want... His son to stray from this promised plan, that this is the promised land, and he does not want his son to go back, find some great girl, and say, Well, I'm going to stay with her. No, he, his son needs to stay in the promised land. So even those things aren't just guided by the whims and wishes of Abraham. They're guided really by what he understands the promises of God and the will of God to be. And then even the servant in his prayer he talks about really the steadfast love of God. He's asking God to show steadfast love to Abraham and that he will know that he has shown steadfast love to Abraham. There he's tying his prayer to the character of God. So as we see this amazing prayer, I hope we all experience things like this, but let's not just pull this Uh, tail out of its context and say, well, hey, next time I need to find a new job, I'm going to pray, hey, God, I'm going to send out my resume. And the one that responds like this, uh, that's the one I'm going to get, you know, kind of pulling that out of nowhere. But maybe when you are looking for your next job or, or, you know, whatever the situation might be, the lessons I would say to learn from this is as you pray, tie those prayers to the promises of God, tie those prayers to the character of God and watch and see God answer prayer. And hopefully we we get that uh, and we see that uh, in our own lives. And we, we see that here in Genesis 24. Also, we end up seeing the faithfulness of God as he answers prayer. As uh, Isaac now finds a wife, it describes a finding comfort after his mother's Death, God provides. And that's an amazing thing in this story. God continues to be faithful to Abraham and to Isaac. Um, And then we'll see it to all the rest that we see in the book of Genesis. Chapter 25 really kind of moves us into the next chapter, the next phase of Genesis as Abraham dies. Now, Abraham has obviously been the main character in Genesis, really since the end of Genesis 11. But now we're going to get into his descendants and not just Isaac, but pretty quickly here into uh, Jacob and Esau. These twin sons that are born born, and we see clearly they are different from the beginning. Uh, One of the notes from chapter 25 is Esau selling his birthright. And and we need to see that's that's a foolish decision that he makes. Um, to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. And likely he is being highly dramatic, you know, when he says, I am about to die, what use is my birthright to me? Um, I doubt that is actually true. But the New Testament even uses that as something of a parable, even specifically of sexual immorality, uh, that we get into this idea that I need something and I'm willing to sacrifice everything to get it. And that should be a cautionary tale to us just from uh, Genesis 25 as well. Now let's move on to our New Testament reading, where today we're looking at Matthew 12, 1 through 8, Mark 2, 23 to 28, and Luke 6, 1 through 5. And again, this is one of those times where we're reading in those three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're all talking about the same event, this event where Jesus and his disciple, Jesus, his disciples are plucking these heads of grain, and the Pharisees are coming down on them for breaking the Sabbath. And you probably see maybe on social media the ads for those master classes. Well, man, they should have an ad for from the Pharisees, a master class on missing the point. The Pharisees were expert at missing the point. And that's really what Jesus kind of gets into with them in the account in Mark. You know, he really uh, talks to them and gets to in verse 27, where he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And in all the gospels it you know, he talks about David when he was taking the bread that was really just for the priests. And I think Jesus is making the point, uh, hey, you're missing the, the spirit of the law and really misunderstanding even the letter of the law, kind of giving examples. Like there are exceptions to a lot of rules and that's not, you know, something we can feel free to do whatever we want, but they're really guided by the intention of the rule and the spirit of the rule. And first and foremost, what the disciples were doing was likely not actually a violation of the Bible. It was probably a violation of the Pharisees and their traditions and rituals and Jesus is coming back and saying, hey, no, you've turned this into something it's not. And I love when it says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This this rule is a gift from God to man and you've turned it into a burden. That's not the way it was supposed to be. And also they've missed the bigger point that <clears throat> Jesus is basically saying, who should decide um, what the Sabbath is and what it is not? Me, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, really another claim of deity from Christ. He's claiming that he is the one that has made the rules that is in charge of God's rules and God's law. And they've missed that point in Matthew, in the account there, he says to them in verse six, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice you would not have condemned the guiltless. Hey, you know, hey, Pharisees, you've missed the forest for the trees. You're so focused on the nitty gritty of this rule that you're not even understanding right that you don't understand to show mercy. People are more important. And so, hey, these disciples, if they're hungry, if they need food, that is not a violation of what God was teaching in the Sabbath laws. And you've missed the point because you really don't understand mercy. Uh, You you focus on all the rituals, but you don't understand the bigger picture of what God has demanded. And so they have really missed the point, and Jesus corrects that. And that's where we should check our own heart. Is there any ways that we are missing the point and and really not making it all about Jesus, Him being at the center, mercy towards other people? Um, You know, that is kind of the moral of this story. The Pharisees had made it all about themselves. We need to make sure that we don't do the same, that God is first, that we desire to show mercy to others, and that that's what guides us even as we interpret, okay, well, what does God say? We we never want to stray from that, but we want to understand, well, God's in charge. He desires mercy. So the application of this is going to, to follow in that same direction. It won't be at odds with that. But I hope our reading today, especially in the Old Testament, has encouraged you to pray and encouraged you to hang your prayers on the promises of God, the faithfulness of God. That's where it might not always go like this story did for us. But keep praying and keep calling out to God based on His promises, based on His character. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.